reading from various Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. By loyalty and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for and by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. The fear of the Lord is life indeed. Filled with it, one rests secure and suffers no harm. Who can say, I've made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always continue in the fear of the Lord. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Happy is the one who is never without fear, but one who is hard-hearted will fall into calamity. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, we pray that as we reflect on your word, as we search for wisdom, that we might find you and come to know you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've lost my clicker. Ah, thank you. <laughs> it's like a security blanket, isn't it? Well, we have reached the midpoint in our series on the book of Proverbs. And I hope you are finding it as engaging and eye-opening as I am. In Hebrew writing, the midpoint is where you find the main point. And I think this week's theme is where it's all really at. Wisdom in knowing God. Our first two themes um, were rich and deep, and I expect our next two themes to be equally meaningful. But if I had to pick one theme or only preach on one week on the book of Proverbs, then this would be the theme that I would choose to preach on. It brings us to the heartbeat of the book of Proverbs, which is summed up in this verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There's a pattern that you can find in Hebrew poetry where the first statement is reflected or, or echoed by the second. So in this one particular verse, we can begin to unravel one of the most challenging concepts in Scripture, the fear of the Lord. Ever wondered what that meant? Just walk through with me as we have a little bit of a look at how this verse is made up. Part one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Part two, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And if we see the echo pattern that's happening in here, we could equally do a bit of word rearranging and say that the fear of the Lord is insight. We could say that the knowledge of the Holy One is the beginning of wisdom. 
we could say at the end of both verses that wisdom is insight. But we could also say, here's the drumroll bit, that the fear of the Lord is the knowledge of the Holy One or knowing God. Seems so simple, doesn't it? And I could leave it there with this clever piece of wordplay. But I think it's worth unpacking this idea of the fear of the Lord because it's challenging to get our heads around. I have heard a number of sermons over the years that have been on the theme of the fear of the Lord. And I have to say that I can't remember any of them being satisfyingly convincing other than to walk away with an understanding that the way that we use the word fear in our culture and context is not all of how they use the word fear in a Hebrew context. But as you continue to walk through the Old Testament, you'll keep stumbling over the fear of the Lord. It's more discreet when you get to the New Testament, but it's still very present. And Luke identifies it as a key driver for church growth and maturity. In Acts, he writes, Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up, living in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. I learned from all those other sermons and uh, some reading in um, commentaries and biblical dictionaries over the years that fear in Hebrew can also mean awe and reverence. While I certainly don't think the fear of the Lord means that we could be scared or need to be scared of God in any way, I do think that there is more to this phrase than just linguistic nuance. Each one of us has fears. Some of them are very rational fears. Some of them are less so. Some of them are trivial and have very little impact on our life, while other fears can shape and frame the way that we think, the way we feel, and the way that we act. In the last 18 months, we've experienced both close by and looking out into the wider world, a world that's been gripped by the fear of the pandemic, which has shaped and reframed the world which we now find ourselves living in. We could just face our fears, and that's a common cliche, to face your fears. But modern psychology has taught us that we can gain a greater sense of self-awareness when we follow our fears. If we understand what our heart fears the most, we can discover what our heart longs for the most. Jungian thought encourages us to explore what Jung calls our shadow self. See, John, I was listening in post-ordination training. Um, But in simple terms, our fear can be a signpost to what our heart wants most. If I'm afraid of not having enough money, 
then behind that could be a fear of, of losing what I perceive money could bring. Things like comfort, security, choices, position. I could have a fear of missing out, the good old-fashioned FOMO. But behind that fear, I could have a deep sense of my heart wanting to be included, wanting to be noticed. If we examine the many things that are lurking in our shadows, the things that our heart desires most, we will find many of them are actually named in the book of Proverbs as folly or foolishness. Because Proverbs says that they're not of God. They are not God. With our rational brains, and sometimes with the help of wise counsel or therapy, we can unpack the things that really matter to us. And in many cases, the discovery of what really matters to us can leave us with a realisation that all our anxiety and energy has been used up on some things that really shouldn't have mattered as much as we've let them matter. When we come to wrestle with what the fear of God is, the fear of the Lord, then we have to go into our hearts, find out what's behind them, and start to imagine what it could be like to have life without God. You see, you, you can believe in God. You can be inspired by God. You can obey God's law. And still, God is not the main thing that you're afraid of losing. And I think that that is what the book of Proverbs is about. And I think that's what the fear of the Lord is all about. The fear of the Lord is a radical God-centeredness that shapes everything in our life. God becomes what our heart desires most. Hands up if you've got that all sorted, that you don't need any help with that being a reality in your life. I think all the hands must be online. They've got it all sorted out. No. This stuff is hard. This stuff is big. And it's why it's repeated throughout the book of Proverbs, throughout all of Scripture. It usually doesn't happen all at once. And most people need to work at it, practice it, learn from it, be trained in it, like the book of Proverbs is encouraging us to do. To create a sense of longing for God to be the main thing. And once that longing starts to reveal itself, then we can move to the next stage, which is to know God personally. As the proverb says, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. An American theologian and preacher back in the 1700s by the name of Jonathan Edwards not to be confused with the American psychic medium, John Edwards, who's very, very different to what uh, uh, John Edwards um, is talking about. He said in the 1700s that there is an infinite difference 
between being told and believing that honey is sweet and actually tasting the sweetness of honey for yourself. You see, you can know a lot about a person, but it's not the same as actually encountering them. You may have had a chance over the years to meet somebody famous. Maybe it was somebody who you had admired, that you'd looked up to, that you'd really respected from afar. You might have had all their facts and details about their life. You could have been a fan of their work. You could have been in awe of them. But to actually meet them, to spend time with them, to actually encounter them, that's what it means to know them. You can know a lot about God, but it's not the same as encountering God. There's an infinite difference between being told that God is love and actually experiencing the love of God for yourself. There's an infinite difference in being being told that God forgives all our sins and actually experiencing for yourself the grace of God. I wonder if you've ever seen a child taste a food for the first time, maybe something like chocolate or ice cream. It's a little bit like this. It's super cute, isn't it? It's funny. Makes you think, though, doesn't it? Is that how we long for God? Is that our experience and our encounter of God? Is it something that we want to jump straight into and grab hold of? This is what the book of Proverbs is trying to teach us. When it talks about the fear of the Lord. To realise that God can be in the right place and the way that we were created for God to be is as the main thing in our lives. Behind, behind all our fears lie things like money, love, acclaim, security. They dominate our life. But when we start to know God, encounter God, and experience God, that all shifts. Those things don't become any less important in our lives. But they stop being so influential in driving us, in motivating us and shaping us. So I'm just going to pause for a moment and ask you a question something for you to consider as I continue with the second half of my message. Do you know God? I have skipped over one very important consideration. To know God presupposes one big thing. It presupposes that the idea of knowing God is actually possible for you. 
And many people around us in the world at the moment have already decided that the idea of God is not possible for them. It's just for people like us. And our world keeps telling us that our faith should be private. What you do in your own time on a Sunday morning or in your own home watching um, your live stream coming in or through the week reading your Bible, keep that to yourself. But when you get into public, when you start talking about the world in which we're living, use your brains, use reason, common sense, things that have been scientifically proved. But Proverbs actually says the complete opposite. Proverbs says that our faith in God, our fear of the Lord, should inform our reasoning. Our relationship with God and what we believe about God completely determines what we know about the world, how we know it, and what to do about it. Before I get further into that, I just wanted to point out for all those people who say that they have no faith, we actually make faith-based decisions every single day, multiple times. Even if we say we don't believe in anything, actually especially if we say we don't believe in anything. We seem to be striving in our post-enlightenment world for everything to be scientifically proven or to be able to be substantiated or justified. But I've always found it quite amusing that in the field of sciences, there was always a continuous culture of testing, retesting, framing, reframing, theorising, re-theorising and experimenting and creating new hypotheses around things that have previously been scientifically proven. There's a gap, isn't there? And whether you want to call it something different, it's actually faith. If you've reached a position on your opinion on a COVID vaccine, then you've made a faith-based decision. You either trust the science or you don't trust the science. When we read or watch or listen to the news on a daily basis, we're increasingly making faith-based decisions. We either trust the reporting or we don't trust the reporting. Every single human being is making faith-based decisions multiple times each day. We've actually got a way in, don't we? Because we've learnt that wisdom is like a decision-making framework. In our first week, I mentioned that wisdom is to know how things really are, wisdom is to know how things really happen, but also to know what to do about them. And if wisdom is a decision-making framework, then a big part of knowing God, a big part of understanding what the fear of the Lord is, is asking ourselves the question, how much do we trust God? How much faith do we have in God? It's easy for us, and most of us do it, we start and continue our relationship with God on a conditional basis we add in a number of if statements. But behind all these if statements are our real fears, our non-negotiables, and what we really trust. 
I'll pray if I get the answer that I want. That reveals our fear that we may not be able to deal with life if it doesn't go according to our plan. I'll attend church if it makes me feel good. Reveals our non-negotiable that we want the focus to be about us. I'll serve if I can see that I'm making a difference. Reveals that we really only trust in what we can control and what we can see. Part of encountering God, getting to know God, is making a decision to really trust God. Is God really God? Or are we just using God to get to where we want to go? Are we treating God as God or as a consultant? The problem with consultants, from my experience, is they end up costing you a lot of money to tell you what you think you already know to make the decision you were going to make in the first place anyway. The wisdom in knowing God. The fear of the Lord is to recognise God as God, as the main thing. There's a whole lot of trust and faith involved in that. There's a whole lot of unknowing and unknown that we need to wrestle with. But when God's our main thing, there's also a whole lot of power and joy, discovery and hope and comfort and so much more than I could list when we engage with this decision-making framework, when we begin to fear the Lord, to know God. As I've reflected on what the book of Proverbs is all about, I can't help but think that the main point of Proverbs is to fear the Lord, which is knowing God encountering God, experiencing God, for God to be our main point, the thing behind our heart that drives us and shapes us, thing that we don't ever want to lose. So, do you know God? Do you want to know more of God? Do you have a radical God-centeredness that shapes everything in your life? Let me pray. Loving God, it's so easy for our superficial fears, even if they make perfect sense to us, to dominate our life, the way we act, the way that we treat others. Help us to find you at our centre. Help us to be reframed by your love, by your purpose and presence in our lives. Help us to work at it, especially when we get it wrong. Help us to know we are on a journey of discovery. And for you 
to continue to be a main thing in our lives is far better than ice cream. It's far better than what money could buy. It's life and life in its fullness. And we want more of that. We want you, Lord. We want to know you. Amen.